you have a story to tell and it's your sacred obligation, your duty and your job to tell it. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short and to stop sitting it out and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business. It's about contribution. It's about meaning. That is what we seek. That is what we truly want. And you absolutely are here to serve the world. And I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to ClearBank for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. ClearBank is changing the way entrepreneurs raise money with equity-free capital. If you're doing over $10,000 a month in revenue, find out how you can receive ClearBank capital by getting your 20-minute term sheet at clearbank.com slash dreamjob. This episode is also supported by Crest. The Crest 3D Whitening Kit removes over 10 years of tough, set-in stains to give you noticeably whiter teeth, 100% guaranteed. For $20 off your first Crest Whitening Strip Kit, go to CrestWhiteSmile.com and enter promo code DREAMJOB at checkout. Also, thanks to Gusto. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll and benefits to small businesses across the country. They were even named the best online payroll by PC Mag. Get three months free when you run your first payroll at Gusto.com slash DREAMJOB. Hey, this is Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I hope you guys had a beautiful weekend. I really did. I was up in the Redwoods um, doing a two-day workshop with the one and only Julia Cameron, who wrote a magnificent book, which is really more like a workbook. And she is such a great creativity coach. Her book is called The Artist's Way, and it's helped millions of people really get back in touch with their creativity and start to play and explore and do the things that make them feel most alive. And, um, you know, I read that book in a group of friends. We did it as a group. We would meet every week and we would discuss the workshop questions at the end of every chapter. And it was that book and doing that as a process with a group of friends that actually made me quit my job and start songwriting full time. And when I wrote my book, I had the same intention in mind that I wanted people to meet with each other and and get together in clusters and support one another to be there as a catalyst to encourage each other. So if you pre-order my book, I've been suggesting that perhaps you set up a book club and you guys can do this work together. And it's just amazing what happens when we ask ourselves some simple yet powerful questions. And then we start to discuss those answers with um, people who really see us and who can really, as she calls it, be a a leaving mirror, a person who can really encourage that which we want most and we desire most. On this retreat, she asked everybody to write down five imaginary lives that you wish you could have. 
And it was just beautiful to hear what people said. And she asked us to make all kinds of lists of things that we wish we were doing more of. And then she said simply, now go back and see if you can put one tiny action next to each thing on that list so that you can do more of that. And um, it was just really cool. I realized that I want to start taking guitar lessons and I want to actually take a floral arranging class. And I realized that I want to spend more time just being creative for the sake of being creative. And I want to encourage all of you to continue to just play and explore because as Julia says, she thinks that there is no distinction between creativity and spirituality. And she's so right that I've seen this in my own life. She talked about how, have you ever started to do something creative and walk toward that pursuit? And then it just seems like extraordinary events take place. And she believes that there's this synchronicity that unfolds as we are led by this joy and this beautiful process of um, spending time with our inner eight-year-old, with our inner artist. So I hope that you will all do a little bit more of that this week. And if you want to have that experience, then I highly recommend you read The Artist's Way. And my book is also something that you can pre-order. I spent two years working on that book. And actually today is the very last day to do this big raffle we are doing. Um, if you pre-order five books and give four to friends of yours and start a book club or just start a book club and ask four of your friends to pre-order the book. However you do it, if you do this by today at midnight, um, I'll be choosing five of you tomorrow and I will be taking you to lunch with me in Bel Air and I'll be choosing 10 of you to do a mastermind session. And that is an awesome raffle, really cool value that we'll be giving away to encourage you to buy the book and to share it with four friends. And everyone who pre-orders the five books or has four friends pre-order the books along with you, everyone will get a training session with my friend Sahara Rose and myself where we will be talking about how to grow a highly engaged audience. And everyone who does that will get a workshop with me on how to really figure out what your passion project is. So those two trainings will come automatically when you do this pre-order and then you will all be put into the raffle. So if you want to get more details on that, there is a link in the show notes, or you can also go to my Instagram to get more information on that. I now am so excited to tell you about today's episode. So I had the honor of sitting down with the really talented Jennifer Weiner. She's the number one New York Times bestselling author and one of my favorite writers, actually. You may have read one of her many books like Good in Bed, In Her Shoes, which was actually a movie with Cameron Diaz and Tony Collette. And and her latest novel is Mrs. Everything, a smart, thoughtful, and very timely exploration of two sisters' lives from the 1950s to the present as they struggle to find their places and really stay true to themselves in this rapidly evolving world. Jennifer has been featured in Time Magazine, Forbes, on the Today Show, Good Morning America, CBS Sunday Morning, you know, all the places. She sold over 11 million copies of her books in 36 countries. To say she's a phenomenal writer would definitely be an understatement. It's really hard to put into words how much her books have meant to me, and she's truly doing such incredible work in this world to make everyone feel a little bit better about who they are, more comfortable in their own skin, and the truth that she has to share is just making such an impact. So here we go. Please welcome the extraordinary Jennifer Weiner. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm delighted. I couldn't be happier. Before we're going to get into your delicious books, which I've read and reread until the covers fall off and all the things, can you just tell us a little bit about your own journey as a creative and how you yes. took the leap? 
Okay, so I always knew that I wanted to write fiction. I was a total bookworm as a kid. I was writing my own stories. So I go to college and I'm an English major and I'm reading everything I can get my hands on and I'm taking every creative writing course they'll let me into. And then I graduate and it's 1991 and there's a recession. I can't really go look through the classified ads and find somebody who's hiring a novelist. So I go to my parents and I'm like, would either one of you like to be a patron of the arts and support me while I write a novel about your divorce and how it hurt me? And they're both like, yeah, no. So I get a job as a newspaper reporter because I figure, okay, there's an industry where I will be writing all day long. And the whole time I was doing it, I was working on fiction in my spare time, like nights, weekends, like I was always writing short stories. And I sold a couple here and there. I had a short story in um, Red Book. I had a short story in Seventeen Magazine. And, you know, just like trying to write a novel and and Mm -hmm. failing to write a novel. And finally, when I was 28 years old, I got dumped. And this guy broke my heart and I was an emotional wreck and it was just terrible. And I would drive by his house. I mean, and it would have been pathetic even if he hadn't lived two hours away. (laughs) It was the saddest, longest drive by. Yes. So finally, finally, I'm just like, okay, enough of this. What do I know how to do? And the answer to that question was, I know how to tell a story. And so I decided I'm going to tell myself a story where the girls like me, the guys like him, and the girl is going to have a happy ending. And so my first novel was honestly, it was just born out of this desire to make myself feel better about this terrible thing that had happened and to try to make sense of it somehow. So that's good in bed. <laughs> oh my gosh. But see, wait, what? The first novel you write at 28 gets published and becomes like a massive success? It wasn't the first novel that I wrote, though. I had probably written at that point like a thousand pages of fiction, of which maybe 30 got published. So right. it, it looked like this magical, amazing thing. But there was a lot of work and a lot of disappointment before that happened. But tell us that story of how you got that first publishing deal. Okay. So now it's 1999 or so. I make a list of agents who look like they represent projects like mine. And I write query letters, which basically that's a letter that says, here's who I am. Here's what my book's about. Here's where I've published stuff before. Let me know if you'd be interested in reading the first three chapters. I send these query letters off and I'm thinking, oh, they they will all want to read the first three chapters (laughs) and 25 query letters. And I got 24 rejections, just like right down the line. So then I have one agent out in California who agrees to read the first three chapters. And then she says she'll read the entire book. And then she says, yes, I would like to represent you. And I'm over the moon. I fly out to California to meet her. And a couple days later, she calls me up and she says, I really liked your book, but I have some suggestions for you. 
And I am like, of course, I will listen to your suggestions. I will do anything. I will, whatever you want. (laughs) And then the first thing she says is the heroine of this book is fat and no one wants to read about a lonely, pathetic, fat girl. And she said, maybe you could make her just like, you know, like have like 15 pounds that she's trying to lose. And I cannot believe that this oh, is the first yes. note that comes back. Uh-huh. This, is what, makes, the, this yes. is what makes your book so good. It's the reality of it. That's what it's like well, the normal human who lives next exactly. door who you know. Yes. Right. And, and what I said to her was the heroine's size and her eventual her self-acceptance like that's the journey that's the whole like point and so I said I really don't think that's something that I'm comfortable changing and then she had she had other suggestions she didn't like the sex scenes and she didn't like the title she thought the book should be called big girl instead of (gasps) good and bad I know I know Uh, so I was really struggling because this was the only agent who'd been interested in me. And I was thinking, if I don't make these changes, what if the book doesn't sell? And then I thought, but if I do make these changes, it's not going to be the story that I wanted to tell. And it's not going to be something that I feel good about putting out into the world. And Toni Morrison, who was one of my professors has this very famous quote of hers. If there's a book that you need to read and it's not on the shelf, you must write it. Right. So good and bad was the book that I needed to read when I was a teenager, when I was a young woman, when I had gotten dumped by this guy and was thinking no one is ever going to love me ever again. You know, and I, I knew that making the changes this this agent was asking for, it was going to leave me with this book that wasn't what I intended for it to be. Right. And so I, I broke up with this agent. That took so much courage. Like to decide in that moment that you were going to choose yourself mm-hmm. is really something that most people don't do. Well, and I look back on it and I'm just like, how did I have the guts to do that because I did not have connections, but I believed in the story that I was telling. And I believed that if I found one agent who was willing to represent me, I believed that I'd be able to find another one. And Mm. I went to one of the young women who worked in the first agent's office as like a freelancer. And I said, Hey, I don't think it's going to work out with me and this agent. And I don't want to put you in a difficult position, but I'm just wondering if you know anyone else. And she's like, well, I do know someone and she's really young. She's never sold fiction before. She doesn't have, you know, the, the reputation, but I think she would really get this book. And that was what happened. And we were both young and just starting out. Mm. And she really saw something in there that that resonated with her and that she thought would speak to other women. And so it was. And I was kind of thinking there are going to be 12 people who will read this and I will be related to six of them. And I will know the other six from Weight Watchers. Like that was what I thought. And, And then it's like... It turns out, and this was sort of heartbreaking for me to realize, but like a lot of women 
have issues with their bodies. A lot of women have issues with self-esteem. A lot of women have issues with their fathers, with their boyfriends, feeling unloved, feeling unlovable. And I think that a lot of those women saw themselves in that book and in subsequent books and, and were able to really grab onto them and say, you know, if these characters can find happy endings and not that everything's perfect, but but that things are better, maybe yep. that's possible for me too. It is so true. And people want to feel seen so badly. Mm-hmm. And you have the courage to share without shame what you're struggling with. And just you making the space for that gives other people so much healing. It's like, oh, she's calling it out. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. And that is enough for another person to feel lighter about whatever is feeling so heavy on their heart. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would always say like, if I can make one woman feel more seen, feel less alone, feel like she's understood and her struggle doesn't make her some kind of alien or freak. I will have done my job in this world. Wow. Well, you've done that millions of times. And I've read all your books. And I feel like for me, one of the ones that not everybody talks about as often as all the others that really did it for me was um, All Fall Down. Yeah, And I was like, oh my God. Like I was Mm -hmm. telling everyone, I'm like, you have to read this book. You have to read this book. And for those of you listening who haven't read it, it's about a person who's, she's like all of us who Mm -hmm. she's just living her life. And it's a lot Mm -hmm. to live your Mm -hmm. life and trying to be the best mom. What does that mean? I just so related to like, yeah, let's just, can we just say that like, we're all lying through our teeth? You know, if we're only posting the perfect aspects of our lives on Instagram. And here's like a depiction of yet another one of your characters is like, yeah, I'm just doing my best. Like I'm kind of a hot mess. Like, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> you know? I mean, I think about social media a lot, and especially because I have daughters and there's something really pernicious about the way that young women today are just bumped Bombarded with all of this perfection. And when oh when I was growing up, it was like, you know, yes, you would see it in magazines. Yes, you would see it on TV. Yes, you would see it in the movies. But it wasn't like this constant, constant, constant oh, yeah. drumbeat. Yeah. And I try to, I mean, both of my daughter's schools are pretty good about teaching them to be vigilant consumers of media and to be able to look at a picture and say, okay, that has been digitally manipulated. There's filters, there's posing, there's professional hair and makeup, there's this and there's that. But it's hard because you see these pictures and they look real. And I, again, I think that's, you know, another part of my my mission, my calling, oh, my, and you've my done work. So much with the body positivity, which is so I I was just talking to someone the other day and she reminded me that certain human beings, men and women, if you are skinny, you're actually unhealthy. Like it oh, yeah. depends on your body type. Like mm-hmm. you're you might look quote unquote healthy and your blood levels might you might be dying because you're skinnier than you need to be. Like we're all supposed to be different shapes and sizes and heights and colors and all of the things. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because I feel yeah. like people are obsessed about their weight. Well, I I think that you're right. I think that skinny has become visual shorthand for healthy 
and for mindful, for somebody who's who's doing right, their self-care. Right. And it's not true. I mean, I exercise pretty much every day of the week and I am not thin and I am never going to be thin, but I'm healthy, you know, and it's unfortunately we walk around every day in our bodies. We do not walk around every day in our physician's reports about our blood That's sugar correct. levels That's and our correct. cholesterol and yep. our, our yep. you know, but it's, uh, it makes me crazy. It really, really does. Because I yeah. think that if we're telling people that thin equals healthy, and if you are not thin, you are not healthy. I think that the message is like, hey, don't even bother. Don't show up at an exercise class. You're not welcome. It's not for you. And yeah. I think that yeah. fitness needs to be for everyone. I think whether it's yoga yeah. or bar or spinning or whatever yeah. it is you want to do, like that should be for everyone. And I think that anytime yeah. you're sending the message that like only, you know, like you, you have to be this tall to ride the roller coaster, you have to be this thin to do the workout, like that's something you really want to rethink. This is what's incredible about doing the kind of work that you do, where you start out thinking you're going to write some fiction. And really what you're doing is literally changing the world. Literally, it becomes Aww. a platform <laughs> for you to make a huge difference in the world. And, and that is something that I think deeply is probably very fulfilling because I, I heard years ago, actually, one of my rabbis said to me, the opposite of depression is not happiness. He said, it's purpose. Yes. And it sounds like you really feel so connected from day one of writing this book. Like, no, 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 no. I want to write the kind of book that if one person felt a little bit better about herself and didn't like flog herself forever mm -hmm. for the way she looked. Mm -hmm. And so that mission is there. Okay, Jennifer, I'm loving everything you're saying. But first, we just got to take a quick ad break. One of the biggest questions in building a business is how am I going to fund this dream job? Well, ClearBank provides entrepreneurs capital to grow. They, like many of us, believe that founders shouldn't have to give up a piece of their company to fund marketing and inventory expenses. ClearBank makes equity-free investments ranging from 10 k to $10 million and can get you a term sheet in less than 20 minutes. Last year, ClearBank invested over $150 million, and this year they're on track to invest over $1 billion. So here's how it works. You take just a few minutes to tell them your basic business info along with any marketing and revenue data. They'll give you a few marketing budget options that you can choose from. And then watch your revenue grow as you get more customers with your new marketing budget. ClearBank will also offer you more capital as you grow. They charge a small flat fee for the capital and you pay them back using a win-win rev share. It's not a loan, no interest rates, no fixed maturation date, no personal guarantees, no credit checks, no equity, and no board seats required. ClearBank works with marketing agencies, e-commerce professionals, venture capital, capitalists, accountants, and more. So you're really getting an advantage in the market. If you're doing over $10,000 a month in revenue, find out how you can receive ClearBank capital by getting your 20-minute term sheet at clearbank.com slash dreamjob. Bank is spelled with a C at the end. That's C-L-E-A-R-B-A-N-C.com slash dreamjob. Stop pitching and get back to doing what you love, growing your business. I want to talk about what happened. The book became a success mm -hmm. and you then went on to write bestseller after bestseller after bestseller. What do you think it is about the books, about the characters that resonates with people? What do you think is part of what's, what's the magic in all this? Well, I think that authenticity has become such a cliche and it's everybody's, oh, be authentic, be authentic. 
and this is going to sound cliche again, but there is only one you, right? You're the only one who can speak your specific truth and has lived your individual life with your experiences and everything those experiences have taught you. And what I would say is speak in your own voice. And when I look back at all of the the short stories that didn't sell, the novels that I never finished, all the work that I was doing in my 20s, a lot of that was imitative, right? Like I would read something by Nora Ephron that I loved and I'd try to write exactly like Nora Ephron or whoever it was that I was reading. And I think that it took me like literally like nine or 10 years of practice before I really found my own voice. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's the thing that each of us has that no one else has is our own voice. And so when you sit down to, to write something, whether it's a novel or a short story or an essay or a blog post or a tweet, you have to write it in your own voice. And I think that People are drawn to authenticity. I think that people want to hear each other's authentic truths. And I think that that's the best advice that I could give somebody is just be exactly who you are. Yeah, it's so true. And that's why you wanted the person to be the size that she was. Yeah, It's like, no, 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 no. Like, that's what's real. So we're going to we're gonna talk about your latest book, of course, and we're going to get to all of that. But before we do, I want to just highlight a few of the big things that have happened in your life. And I feel like my listeners would be like, how did you not talk about inner shoes? Like, I know it's 15 <laughs> minutes ago, but like, you're not talking about it. Like, of course, we're going to talk about it. So let's talk about this book mm-hmm. that everybody reads and rereads and tells mm-hmm. all their friends to read. And then it becomes a movie. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like for you? How did that happen? How did you feel watching it? Did you feel like it lived up to what you wrote? I'd love to hear the whole thing. I was really happy with In Her Shoes, the movie. And I sort of decided at the beginning, I told the story that I wanted to tell on the page in the book. They won't be able to change a word of that. Whatever the movie ends up being, the book is going to exist as the book. And so that just That's let right. me really like let go and let God, where I was just like, mm-hmm. they can tell their story on the screen and I will support them in any way I can. I will cheer them on. I will help. But I just really let it be the filmmaker's story. And that ended up really being great because, you know, I, I was like, if it's a fantastic movie, that's that'll be great. It'll bring more people to the book. If it's not a fantastic movie, the book is still the book and I can be at peace with that. But yeah. I, I felt really, really lucky the way they told the story with the people that they cast, with the yeah. the way that they sort of, they kept the Jewish elements, they kept the senior yep. citizen elements. Like I was yes. really really happy with that. And I mean, watching it was surreal where like, you're just sitting there and like this thing that you've only ever seen in your head is now on the screen for the whole world to see. It was, it was amazing. And my Nana got to be in it and that made me happy. Oh, she's in it. I didn't know that. <laughs> yep. I Nana, didn't know your Nana was Shirley uh, McLean. Yeah, right. No, Nana, Nana had a little, <laughs> she was an extra. She had a little part so as an extra. Cute. And I felt really happy and really lucky and, you know, just really good about the whole experience. Yeah, that's amazing. So 
one of the things that comes up for people when they think about writing a book or doing anything, even posting their first blog is a feeling of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. how can I do this? I feel like such a fraud. Mm -hmm. And when you had this query that was going out, you wrote several query letters. You already had 500 pages of a book. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for writers? Because so many writers and creatives of all kinds, whether they're potters or they're um, visual artists or dancers, we we are so hard on ourselves. We mm-hmm. would just like shut the computer screen after you know paragraph four. So how do you stay with that without feeling that oh I'm such a fraud? Oh this is so terrible. Like you just had the confidence to complete it, and then you did that again and again and again, and you've done it so many times. You know, I I think like I said with good and bad, it was just a story I was telling myself. And I had a lot of free time, you know, because I'd been dumped. And so I didn't have a boyfriend to do things with. And I had, you know, my nights and weekends free, you know, (laughs) but I I believed in the story and I believed in the characters and I really love writing, I think is the bottom line. I love being in my imagination. I love thinking about the characters and what they're going to do and where they're going to go and how they're going to, you know, make their way through the terrain that I've laid out for them. I, yeah. I'm i really, really lucky. I mean, like, this is like, it's the thing that I love to do the most. And I'm lucky yeah. I get paid to do it. Yeah, no, it's so true. Mm-hmm. It's such a gift. Would you encourage writers to have a practice where you write every day? Do you have any sort of guidance for tips on what makes writing better or what makes your process better? I honestly think it's whatever works for you, whether that's saying I'm going to write for 45 minutes every day, or I'm going to write 500 words every day. I think that for women, a lot of times the obstacle is time and you feel pulled in a hundred different directions and you feel like there's, you know, oh, there's that laundry I should fold and I should make the lunches for the kids and I should get dinner started and this and that. And I think that you have to just say like, you almost have to make an appointment with yourself like and and block out the time on your calendar and just say like, you know what, mom is not going to be available from five to 630. I mean, I wish I could give some people some kind of magic so that they would believe in themselves. And, you know, like, just act as Mm -hmm. if like, if you are not a published published author, but you want to be think to yourself, like, okay, what would my life look like if I was writing for a living? Well, I'd be writing every day. I'd be outlining this book and I'd be figuring out like how to, when I'm going to find the time and what that's going to look like. And just, that would be my advice. I think act as if. Yeah. I feel like for me thinking about having the success that you've had and then here comes the pressure because the publisher is going to turn around and say, you're such a smash hit write another one. And you do. And I think like (laughs) for most people that would be like, no, that's so scary, especially when the first one was so good. And then for you to be able to say, okay, that's my new assignment. I will write another amazing book. And then you're able to do that. How do you get inspired to write a whole nother book? Where do you get this from? Where does this come from? I don't know. Maybe there's just a lot of pain. (laughs) But I mean, like (laughs) I said, a lot to process. I mean, look, the world is full of stories to tell. And I think that the world is full of characters who represent women who don't get to see themselves on the page. And I think that what I have been able to do is just to 
tap into that absence, into those women who don't get their stories told and say, okay, I'm going to center this kind of a character. And just, I think, in living my life as a single woman, then as a mother and a wife, and just paying attention to the world around me and to the women around me and to the stories that I hear, I feel like that's given me the raw material for these stories. And in terms of just mm. like the will to do it, like I love what I do and I'm just lucky, lucky yeah. that way. I love what you just said because when Seth Godin was here on the show, he said that at the heart of any successful endeavor is radical empathy. Mm. And you're basically saying what gives you the inspiration is the empathy you feel. Mm-hmm. And by opening your eyes and paying attention and looking for where people feel invisible mm-hmm. or where people are hurting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you can write forever about mm-hmm. that because there's always going to be a person who needs to feel heard. Yeah. And you're like, great. Yeah. I'll write about that. Yeah. And, and I think that Judaism has a lot to do with, with my creativity because I grew up, you know, one of the things that we talked about in my synagogue was tikkun olam. And the idea that like the world is broken and each of us has special abilities and duty to use them to repair that broken world, to fix whatever we can and to see pain and to want to heal it and, and to see absence and to see like, okay, Here's a population that does not get their stories told, that does not get to see themselves as the romantic leads of even their own lives. And I'm going to tell their stories and that is going to be my mission. And that is going to be Mm. what I do with my voice and with my time and with my platform and with whatever power I have. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And I love that you're so open about your Judaism too. Like I talk about it on this show and I'll get letters from people saying like, you're one of the only people who's open about your Judaism. And I'm like, why would I not be? Mm. Like, what, what am I hiding that mm. for? I think that we grow up, at least I felt this responsibility to the world. I felt like my job was to make sure that I did something that left the world better. Yes. I just felt that way. Yes. My grandparents, everybody like was part of some movement. Like everywhere you go, like mm-hmm. we're on the front lines of like, are people in pain? We mm-hmm. want, because we get it, right? Mm-hmm. We know that story very well. Okay, we're going to take a quick ad break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. You know, sometimes I'll see a picture of myself and I'll think, geez, I really wish I had even whiter teeth. Because when you think about it, a whiter smile can really give you that little boost of confidence to feel great. Well, the Crest 3D Whitening Kit is the perfect way to whiten your teeth and make the most of your smile. It can remove over 10 years of those stains you get from drinking too much coffee, guilty over here, or wine, also guilty, and smoking. Never smoked a cigarette. And instead of spending a ton of money on the expensive dental treatments, the Crest 3D Whitening Kit costs hundreds of dollars less and will get you the same results. Plus, you don't have to worry that you're using any of those sketchy ingredients. The Crest 3D White Strips use hydrogen peroxide to whiten your teeth, the same enamel-safe ingredient used by dentists. I used the Crest Express Whitening Kit, and I thought it was really convenient because there aren't any messy gels or trays to deal with, and the white strips have this no-slip grip, so I have no problem 
talking while I have them on. And I feel like I'm already starting to see my teeth get whiter. So hopefully this means I can keep enjoying my lattes and red wine without worrying about it staining my teeth. Order your first Crest whitening strip kit with patented blue LED light online today and receive a special offer of $20 off your first Crest whitening strip kit. Go to CrestWhiteSmile.com and enter promo code DREAMJOB, free shipping included. That's $20 off your first Crest whitening strip kit when you go to CrestWhiteSmile.com and use promo code DREAMJOB at checkout. My favorite part of being an entrepreneur is being able to get creative and messy with all my ideas. It's like being a kid in a candy store. But as a business owner, I also have to be at least a little organized, especially when it comes to payroll and taxes. And this doesn't come so easy for a lot of us. Now you can tame the chaos of payroll benefits and HR with Gusto. Gusto gives you peace of mind by putting payroll benefits, HR, and management tools all in one place. So you can sign, store, and organize employee documents all online. I love that Gusto automatically files and pays all state, local, and federal payroll payroll taxes because if you're like me, doing taxes is one of those extra to-dos that really drains my batteries. They have fast, easy-to-run payroll, including W-2s and 1099s, and they offer health benefits, 401ks, and more for almost any budget. In fact, they have hundreds of benefits plans to choose from. You're going to have so much more time to work on the parts of your business that actually let you up because it only takes 11 minutes on average to run payroll on Gusto. They're partnering with small businesses across all 50 states and they want to work with you too. Get three months free when you run your first payroll at gusto.com slash dream job. Try a demo and test it out at gusto.com slash dream job. So I want to now talk about your newest book, which I read. Incredible. It's called Mrs. Everything. And what I didn't know is that you wrote this book partly about your own, your mom's journey. Mm. Um, Tell us why you wrote this book and what you wanted people to come away with. Okay, so Mrs. Everything is the story of two sisters, and it follows them from their girlhood in the 1940s all the way through to the present and then on into the future. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to tell the story of American history and women's history in America. And I wanted to do it through the characters of these two sisters. And I wanted to talk about, here's where we've been. Here's the story of the progress that we made. And and here's what could happen next if we go back. Interesting. I really wanted to illustrate that, you know, because fiction can sometimes do things that even the truth can't. I mean, lots of people published essays and lots of people were talking about like, I lived through this time. But if you tell people a story, if you give them characters to identify with and care about and hang on to and show them like, here's what it's like. I think that you can make them feel what it was really like in in a visceral way, in a way that you sometimes can't do with the truth. Yeah. And this is like a perfect way to, to sum up this beautiful, beautiful conversation. I'm wondering what comes to you when I say, what's your last word of advice for people who feel like maybe they're not enough, maybe their dreams have passed them by? Mm. Do you have any words of encouragement? You know, I remember every time I would see somebody my age or younger, like get hired to write for Saturday Night Live or publish a book or like, I would eat myself alive with jealousy. Like I was just, and I would think like, it's never going to happen for me. Like I'm too old and it's, you know, I'm a has-been, it's too late. I missed my chance. I think that we all have stories to tell. 
I think that every single person has their own authentic voice and their own set of experiences and their own truth to speak. And no one else can do that for you. So if you're looking at somebody else and thinking like, oh, she got ahead or he got this, or there's not going to be a publishing deal for me because someone else got one. There's always, always room in the world for authenticity and for people who are being sincere about their own experience and their own life and their own dreams and their own truth. And so I would say, like, even if you feel like a big giant imposter and a huge fake and a joke, sit down and whether you're a writer or a composer or an artist or whatever you are, whatever your mode of expression, you have a story to tell and it's your sacred obligation, your duty and your job to tell it. Amazing. All right. Well, tell us where we can find you and where we can buy your new book and everything else that is you. <laughs> I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. So I'm jenniferweiner.com. I'm at Jennifer Weiner on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Jennifer Weiner writes on Instagram and you can find me all over the interwebs and I'd love to hear from you. Oh, that's so generous. Thank you so much for all of this. Uh, you are, you're just such the real deal. Uh, and I just wish you continued success and nachas from all the good uh, the, that you do for so many people. You're very, very welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for talking with me. Oh my gosh. What a treat to talk to her. How awesome is she, right? Okay. So here are the takeaways. Number one, if there's a book that you need to read and it's not on the shelf, go write it. Number two, there is only one you. Speak in your own voice. People are drawn to authentic truths. So be exactly who you are. Number three, act as if. Set an appointment to work on your craft and do it as if it was your profession. Number four, pay attention to the world around you. It's full of stories to tell and people who need to be represented on the page. Number five, each of us has a special ability and duty to repair the broken world. Fix whatever we can and see the pain and heal it. Number six, we're all just trying to do the best we can. And number seven, you have your own story to tell. It's your sacred obligation to go tell it. All right, guys. Well, remember that you can pre-order my book. And if you do this and you get four friends to pre-order or you pre-order five copies and you give four away, it'll be such an incredible catalyst for growth for you and your cohort of friends to read this book together and do the discussion questions at the end of every chapter. It may be just the thing that helps you uncover this passion project that you've been wanting to do for so long. And and through talking to your friends and having that accountability and support, it could really move things in, in ways that you couldn't have imagined. And if you do so by midnight, you can join us for this incredible two coaching sessions you will get automatically. Plus you'll be entered into the raffle where I will be taking five of you to lunch and I will be putting 10 of you in a mastermind session to really help give you some coaching. So if you want more information on that, you can find the link in the show notes. We have so many awesome episodes coming your way and I don't want you to miss it. So please make sure that you subscribe. And if you love this episode or any other episode, please take a second and share it with your friend. Tell them what your favorite takeaway was or what action you took because of listening to the show. It's really incredible to see just through word of mouth what impact the show is having. And it's incredible how you could help someone change their life just by planting a seed and giving them that encouragement to walk forward towards more of what it is that they love. Thank you so much for listening. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. So many times I chose to run. So many times I held my tongue. I held my tongue. Never
Like a soldier 